before I dive into this episode, I want to invite you to a free live workshop with me. It's June 13th, and the topic is bad managers. I love this topic. I know you probably don't, yet you need to know the types of bad managers and what to do because you might have some mediocre leaders on your teams. Please check it out. It's June 13th. It's free to everyone. You just need to go to awesomeleader.com slash bad dash managers. Once again, awesomeleader.com slash bad dash managers. Hope to see you there. What do you think about when you hear the term psychological safety? Do you think, oh my gosh, whoo, wow, that just sounds kind of strange. Sounds like something that has nothing to do with the workplace. Sounds academic. I don't know. I've heard a lot about it yet. Really, what does this mean for me as a leader? Well, we're going to talk about some of those things and break down some myths and give you some really tangible next steps and ideas to use so that you can use psychological safety in your work as a leader. In this episode, I'm going to speak with Minette Norman. She is the co-author of the book, The Psychological Safety Playbook. Lead more powerfully by being more human. Who does not want to be more human? Come on. And before starting her own business a few years ago, Manette spent three decades in the software industry. So she's not just a leadership consultant. She's been in the work of building teams and building products. She has some great thoughts around psychological safety. You're going to love this episode. Let's get going. I'm Lila Bullingtown. I'm an executive coach and the creator of Awesome Leader. I've coached founders, VPs, and C-suite executives worldwide for over 25 years. I make it easier for leaders to make decisions, guide their teams, have difficult conversations, and have fun in their roles. Yes, that's possible. It's possible to have more fun. I love what I do, and I love my clients. My number one passion is making it easier to lead and manage teams, no matter what your title is. And in my online coaching and training programs, I create leadership ease through 15-minute lessons and weekly group coaching. In this podcast, you can now experience some of that micro-learning. This podcast is a weekly shot of tangible leadership advice. All episodes are just around 15 minutes. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to have you with me today in this episode of The Leadership Shot. I'm talking to one of the authors of the new book, The Psychological Safety Playbook. Manette Norman is an executive coach. She's a former leader in the software industry and an author. This is the first of two books, actually, she has coming out this year, which is really exciting. Manette, I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So psychological safety. Can you tell us, first of all, I think people would love to know a little bit like you're a leader in the engineering world. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to psychological safety. How Because it doesn't, I think for some people immediately kind of connect those two things, engineering and psychological safety. Yeah, I, I spent 30 years in the software industry. I, I started as a tech writer way back when, and then I ended up as a VP of engineering at a large Bay Area software company. And in that last job, which I did for about five years, my charter was really to transform how we developed software to become more modern, more cloud-based. And the company had been 30 years old, so it really needed to go through some big changes. And what I discovered was that 
this is not just a technical challenge. There are technical things we have to do, but this is really about human interaction. It's about, can we collaborate better? Can we listen to one another better? Can we actually share each other's work and code rather than reinventing the wheel constantly? And what I discovered is that, you know, I started learning much more about human interaction and collaboration. And I realized that there are a lot of people who have things to say, and often it was me. They have good ideas, but they don't feel that it's safe to speak up or that their voice is welcome. And so while I was reading about all sorts of you know, human interaction and psychology, I came across the research that there was a lot of research already on psychological safety. And I uncovered that term that had been around, I think, since the 1960s that I had never heard. And it was this real aha moment because I'm like, that's sort of the key, the secret sauce. That's the foundation. When you feel like everyone has a voice and everyone's voice is welcome, then amazing things happen. We listen to one another, we actually get new ideas, and everyone can fully contribute. And so that's that's where I got interested in it. And then I did leave the industry back in 2019, and I started my own business and consulting and speaking and now writing. And I met a co-author, Caroline Helbig, who was also a leadership consultant. She was really interested in psychological safety. And we have this amazing collaboration across continents because she's in Germany and I'm in California. And we wrote this book together that just came out about a month ago. So I love the idea of it being, it's, it wasn't a coding error. It wasn't a technical glitch, right? It wasn't like somebody did something wrong. There's a bug in the code. It's like, not to say this is a bug in the human code, yet it was a human glitch. It's the feeling that people aren't always safe. They don't feel like they can contribute. And it's, it's such a powerful thing to kind of think about. And I think at the same time, and I'd love your thoughts on this, Maybe people think this is something that's a theory or it's just academic so that doesn't apply in the normal work day, work world. Yeah, I'm really glad you you brought that up because it is, so first of all, you hear about it a lot, like in business literature, it's kind of a buzz tag now, psychological safety hashtag. You see it a lot on LinkedIn. There's stuff in HBR about it, right? So it's in the vernacular now, but I think it, it does seem like a technical or academic term. And the way I like to think about it, the way Caroline and I really talk about it when we are being interviewed on podcasts like this is that it is not an academic term. It is a deeply human feeling and a deeply human need. So I'll just ground us in sort of the definition. It is in a team setting because it is at a group level. In a team setting, I believe that I can speak up. I can ask a question. I can make a mistake and share my learnings. I can challenge and dissent. I can show up as myself. As much as I want to share myself at work, I can be that person at work without having to hide who I am. And I know that if I do any of those things, I will not be embarrassed, humiliated, or excluded. So it's really fundamental in our need as humans to belong to groups. That's how we have survived as a species, that we are part of groups. And we need that feeling that we belong to a group. And that does not leave us when we go to work. We have that need at work. And, you know, just to go touch on the research, because there is so much research on psychological safety, the research has shown that when we have a high degree of psychological safety in the workplace across industries, there's higher performance there's greater innovation and employees feel more engaged and more motivated and are able to do their best work. 
And when we don't have it at work, you know, the flip side of it, mm-hmm. there's some negative, there are some real ramifications there. There, first of all, the ideas don't come out and you may get into situations where you miss either big ideas and innovations or risks. You may miss risks and really have some disasters happen. But also you have employees who are holding back. They're not able to fully contribute. They are hiding who they are even, which leads to stress and burnout. And, you know, you don't have high retention, you lose employees, or you have people quiet quitting at work because they feel like I'm not even welcome here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, let's say I'm a leader and I'm listening like some people are now and I hear this and I go, okay, I think I understand this. I like the idea of more innovation. I want people to be able to challenge, to share ideas, to bring their full selves to work. I don't want to make sure if there are any risks that people know about that I hear about it. And then I go out there and this is where I think your book is filling like such a hole in the publications out there is it seems like it's sometimes really tough to be able to take this idea of psychological safety and apply it. So you've got the psychological safety playbook. And if I'm a leader, I would love for people obviously to buy the book and read about it. But what's one move that a leader, I'm leading a team and I say, okay, yeah, I want to learn more about psychological safety. What's one thing I can do? One thing from the book. Yeah. And I'm picking the very first one in the book. And Carlene and I, you know, we say you can pick up the book and read it in any order, which is totally true. I'm going to pick the first one because I think it's so fundamental for leaders and very powerful. And it sounds really simple. So if you're a leader, let's say you've gotten up and you've just presented a new strategy or the new goals for the quarter. And then you just simply ask one question. And that is, what am I missing? Mm, what am I missing? What am I missing? And by saying, what am I missing? What you're doing is you're signaling to everyone in the audience there that you know you're acknowledging that you're human and that you can't possibly have thought of everything, every you know possible detail. And you want to know what other people think and what ideas they might have that you might have missed. And by doing this, you know, you're really setting the stage for everyone's voice to be heard. But it's, you know, this is where I say it's simple, but it's not simple. So it's simple to ask the question. But what you have to do is you kind of have to set the stage and say, look, I know I'm not perfect. I know I haven't thought of anything, everything. So what am I missing? I truly want your feedback. You know, no question is a dumb question. All questions are welcome. And, you know, the first time you ask it, if you've never asked it before, you may be met with silence, right? Because people are like, I don't know if I believe it. Like, I don't know if it's really okay. And what if I say, you know, have you thought of that? And then that person just snaps at me, right? You know, so it may seem a little too dangerous at first. So if you don't hear a response right away, keep trying, you know, it's not, you you don't do it just once, you do it regularly. And then say to people, look, you may need some time to think. I mean, people process information differently and on different times, right? So say, if you don't have the thought right now, come back to me later, you know, DM me, email me, get on my calendar. I want to hear all the ideas. And then there's one more step that I think is really important, which is if someone has the courage to say, hey, have you thought of this? You know, I think you missed something important thank them, you know, show appreciation that that was hard. You know, I recognize, thank you so much. That was hard. It's not easy to challenge the manager or challenge the leader in the room. So thank you for asking the question. And, you know, if you don't have an answer to it, or you want more time to think about it yourself as the leader, say, I I need to digest that. And thank you so much. And I'll come back to you on that. That can really change things. That's great. So that's one move for the leader 
thinking about and asking, what am I missing? What about somebody who doesn't have that leadership title? Is there a move that somebody who, again, doesn't have that title, maybe doesn't have that immediate or visible indicator of influence or authority? What's one move from the book that person could use? Yes. And I I just want to say that we really believe that this book is applicable to everyone at any level, whether they have a manager title or not, because everyone has an influence on the interactions around them. They interact with people every day at work. And so they have the power to create a positive or negative or neutral environment. So everyone really does influence the culture and the feelings of their colleagues. But I'm going to pick another move that I think is critical for every single human being at work. And actually in our personal lives too, but let's see how it plays out at work. The move is becoming aware of our own defensiveness and managing our defensive reactions. And our move is actually called hit the pause button. And I'll explain why. So we as human beings all get defensive and there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually part of our biology because the human brain is designed to keep us alive and safe. And it doesn't distinguish between physical danger and social or emotional danger. Mm-hmm. Our brain, to our brains, like if you're out in the street and a, and a whizzing bicycle comes by and you jump out of the way, what's just happened is your amygdala has fired to keep you alive, out of danger, and you have gone into fight, flight, freeze mode. That's what keeps us alive. If your manager gives you some harsh feedback at work, your brain goes into fight, flight, or freeze yeah. mode. It's totally yeah. natural, right? And I know you've done work on emotional intelligence. This is what Daniel Goleman, who wrote Emotional Intelligence, calls the amygdala hijack. Our amygdala, which is keeping us safe and alive, has taken over our brain. But what happens is if we react defensively, we're going to maybe fight back. We're going to lash out. You know, Lila, you just criticized me. I'm coming back right at you, right? Yeah. Ah, you know, you think you're smart. Well, I'm smarter, whatever. And it escalates. We're both smart, into obviously. We're both smart, right? <laughs> right. It goes into, it can escalate into something really unproductive at work. Mm. And if you freeze the same thing, then you can't speak and you know, you can't, you just can't get a word out. So what we recommend is first becoming aware that, yes, I get defensive. What does it look like? What does it feel like? And there are physical sensations that happen. Like for me, I immediately feel a flushing in my face. Like my face feels hot. That's a, that's like a warning signal and that you're getting defensive. So what can you do then? It's very simple. You just slow down, pause and take a breath. I'm like, okay, you just said something that hit me. I'm just going to go, okay. And in that moment of taking that deep breath, what happens? The amygdala calms down, your frontal cortex is back online. And then you can say, oh, okay, hold on. Can you say more about that? I really want to understand your perspective and your calm. And then you can have dialogue. This is a lifelong practice for me. It probably is for many of you because it's it's not easy to slow down and remember to pause. No, it's but not. hitting that pause button, honestly, I've seen it have such a powerfully positive effect on what could be a really ugly situation turning into some fantastic dialogue and coming through the other side with a really good conclusion. Wow. I love that. Great. So now, and we're almost out of time, maybe just a quick thought, one quick move for a team. Like let's say somebody on a team, like a team comes together, one of them discovers your book and they want to choose a move to you to do together. What would be one move you'd recommend a team could use? I would recommend starting with your meetings, upgrading your meetings. Mm. And the reason I think that's a great starting place for any team is that, first of all, we spend a lot of time in meetings. That's just a given. And second of all, 
you know, culture plays out in meetings, right? Like all of your dynamics play out in the meetings that you have. And I'm sure you've seen that too in your work with teams. And, you know, if you are not conscious about how you run your meetings, if you don't have any rules of engagement or team agreements for your meetings, what will happen by default is, and this is, you know, this has been studied also, is that usually a couple of people dominate the conversation and the rest of the people sit back And they may have some really important things they say, but they either can't get a word in edgewise or they don't feel that their voice is welcome. And they sit back and they have the meeting after the meeting, right? You know, which is really destructive because they haven't actually been able to contribute. So what we recommend is being deliberate and setting up agreements like how are we going to do turn taking so that everyone gets to speak? You know, maybe use a rule like no one speaks twice before everyone speaks once. That's mm-hmm. a great thing to practice yeah. if you're just getting started, right? Like let's just see what that's like. And then, you know, look for other things like we want to consciously and deliberately invite dissent in our meetings because we're just we're getting into this conformity where we agree really quickly and we're probably missing some important points of view. So, let's actually ask someone to dissent or, you know, play devil's advocate so that we have a new way of looking at things. And then You know, I would also say take advantage of the tools that we have digitally now, because, you know, one of the questions I get and Caroline and I have gotten a lot is like, isn't it really hard to create psychological safety in the virtual and hybrid world? And yes, and it can actually be an enabler of psychological safety because we have these tools that we don't have when we're all in a room. So for example, the quieter, less dominant people may feel more comfortable putting something in a chat than they would be to raise their hand and unmute themselves. So you you suddenly, like I've noticed that, like even when I run workshops, some people will unmute themselves and be happy to speak. And then the others are only typing in the chat, but their ideas are just as valid and maybe even more so. So use chat, use online whiteboarding, get everyone to put their thoughts down on post-its, put them on the board, find a way to discuss them in a lightning round. You'll be surprised that you're going to get way better results than if you just let meetings run themselves, you know, and appoint someone to be your facilitator and take turns doing that so that you can really make sure all the voices are heard. So I think it can make a huge difference in team dynamics and those dynamics will spill over into other interactions outside of meetings. Yes. So these tools are available to us. We have to spend some time learning how to do it, but upgrading your meetings. I love it. So, uh, Manette, let, uh, let everyone know where they can find this book. Cause I want everyone to go ahead and buy this book and use it, whether you're a leader, you're not a leader, you're a team, where can they learn more about you and find the book? We have a website for the book and the URL is the psychological safety playbook.com, all one word, no hyphens. And there's some free material up there. You can, you can get a sample chapter. If you want to check it out before you buy the book, you can buy the book at all the online book retailers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, etc. cetera. Uh, we love that if you do buy the book and we hope you will take a picture of yourself with the book, tag us on LinkedIn, tell us what you liked what you want to learn more about, what moves you think are missing, what's working, what's not working. We've been getting like strangers from all over the world tagging us on LinkedIn. We heard about someone. Yeah, this was so cool. Last week or the week before, we heard about a woman in the UK who was running a workshop for lawyers on ethics. And they said, she showed a picture of herself with the book and said, we're using exercises from the book 
for our workshop. So we want to hear more about that. So Minette Norman, Caroline Helbig, we're both on LinkedIn. We love to connect with you. We're very active and engaged and our work is going to continue. This book is just the start of what we hope is a movement of psychological safety in the workplace. And we want ideas from all industries, from all levels and from all over the world. So we hope that you will get the book and connect with us. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Minette Norman, author of The Psychological Safety Playbook. Thanks, Minette. So nice to have you here. And I hope you get to see some pictures of people with your book really soon. I hope so, too. Thanks so much for having me. All righty. Thanks. Before you go, please hit subscribe or click to follow this podcast. This tells me that the content I'm sharing is helping you, your team, and your company. You'll also learn when the next episode drops. And if you'd like weekly emails from me with more tips on how to move your leadership towards awesome, visit awesomeleader.com slash podcast. And if you want to know more about how to bring the first and only online leadership program with lessons under 15 minutes to your teams, visit awesomeleader.com and you can check out a lesson for free and book a meeting with me. Thanks for listening to The Leadership Shot.